Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. We have listeners from many different countries, and here in the United States, Memorial Day is coming up, which is a day to honor those who have given their lives for our country, and I thought it would be good to do an episode specifically for those who have lost their children as a result of being in the military. Their child chose to go into the armed forces, knowing their life might be sacrificed for us. And that has got to have so many mixed emotions for their families because it became a very heavy and a personal sacrifice for them. And today I have three guests with me. Bev Shoemaker has been on with me before. Bev's oldest son has had several military tours as special forces, but it was her younger son who died in an accident killed by a drunk driver. And her husband was unable to cope with this. And three years later, he ended his life, leaving Bev even more shattered. And Bev and I talk about all of this on episode 136. And we continued into 137. And we titled it Passing It On because she shared some things that a mom shared with her at the very beginning of her grief and things that she likes to pass on to other newly bereaved parents. And then the second one was called Finding meaning and purpose. And boy, I'll tell you, going through what she has gone through to be able to find meaning and purpose with the Lord by her side is incredible. So I really highly recommend you listening to both of them. And I'll put a link to those in the show notes. And Beth spends a lot of time ministering to gold star moms. If you don't know what that is, they are moms whose children served in the military and lost their lives as a result of that service. So Bev, hi. Hi, I'm back. <laughs> Laura, thanks for having me back. Yeah, pull you in here now. Bev, can you give me a quick rundown on how that happened, why you're tied in with the Gold Star Moms? I know it was through a man named Dave Reaver. Correct. And if you don't know who that is, our listeners, you need to check him out. He is a Purple Heart Vietnam vet. He was like burned beyond recognition. He shouldn't have even lived. And you met him and he encouraged you to join a program, right? Right. Is that kind of that, how it happened? Okay. That is how that happened. Absolutely. It was like a divine appointment is what I like to say. So we crossed paths and he um, pulled me in and I, and I went through his programs early on when I was still quite broken mm. and shattered. And, um, and it just evolved into doing many things with his administration. And then my husband and I, as I remarried, we um, became the directors of the ranch and we were, uh, we were there probably uh, almost three years. And while I was at the ranch, that's when I just had a heart to, because we were ministering to the military. We were the wives, the, the soldiers, you know, the mm-hmm. ones that had deployed and come back with PTSD. But then I, uh, you know, saw this need with, with the mothers, with the parents that, mm-hmm. you know, were going through this. So I, I just approached Dave and he was like, you know, absolutely. It gave me the green light to start having some retreats there at the ranch. Okay. All right. So along with Bev, I asked her if she could get me a couple of moms to join me who are gold star moms. And here we are. So I have Lori Sutherland and Amy Drake, and I want to thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thank, thank you, you for having us. 
I do want to give you both a chance to tell your stories about your child in the military. Lori, how about if we start with you? Can you tell us about Michael? Well, Michael was my little soldier. I always wanted to be a soldier. He grew, we're a military family. His dad was in the Army. His stepfather's in the Air Force. So, you know, Michael just grew up around it. And, um, you know, when we, he was growing up and we would move around and we, we lived in uh, Dahlonega, Georgia at a time and uh, ranger students would road march past our house and he would put on his little backpack and out the door he would go and mm-hmm. road march with them and walk down the side of the mountain with them and I'd have to get in the car and go pick them up. And he became airborne qualified by jumping off the second story uh, deck in the backyard, which gave me a, lots of heart attacks. Oh, um, you know, he camped out, you know, but that was just Michael. He always wanted to be a soldier and so um, was not interested in school. He, actually, he got his GED. He excelled in the ROTC, but was not interested in the rest of it. And um, so he got his GED and uh, went in the Army, went to basic training, uh, Mother's Day, actually, of 2006. But he he got stationed here at Fort Bragg, which we were really uh, blessed to have him here um, because that's where uh, my husband stationed at, at Pope Air Force Base. And so he was here with the 82nd, so we got to spend that little extra time with him. And following August, he deployed to Iraq. But he loved it. I mean, he loved the Army. Uh, When he was here, you know, I used to take him up to um, the drop zone early, early in the morning because uh, he'd want to uh, catch a fun jump. It's where you don't really have to jump, but you can get in line and get a shoot. And then um, they take you up and you can jump and you can go back and get another shoot and take you back up and jump again. And so anyway... He'd have me take him out to the drop zone like at two o'clock in the morning. So he'd be in line before everybody else or, you know, and um, he would come home on the weekends and bring all his buddies home with him and everything. I miss all that. I miss that about him, about not him not being here the most. So he came home in January of 2007, which uh, he, he was here for my birthday. And I, you know, I was, happy about that and to me that was a blessing you know I'd let him be here for my birthday then he went back and April 23rd he was killed along with eight other soldiers that um, they were in a school building using it as an outpost and two trucks came and exploded and the building collapsed and killed them but even through all that I could see God, you know, um, he died April 23rd and my husband, Eric was in working nights and people were getting notified at that evening that, uh, their loved ones had been killed and, you know, God waited till the next morning till my husband was home, you know, till, mm. till I found out. So Michael died doing what he loved. He would write us from Iraq and, you know, tell us about the changes he, they were making and 
ask for toys for the children so he could pass out to the kids and things like that. Uh, he loved it. He even re-enlisted while he was over there. It's hard to believe it's been 15 years. Wow. So as a military mom or a parent, you know that you could have someone at your door to deliver news a parent never wants to hear. I mean, that's just, was that something that you felt like was always hanging over you? Or was it something you were able to just kind of put to the back of your mind while he was serving? You know, I always knew that he wasn't going to come home. Hmm. I just, God just gave me that, that feeling that he was not going to come home. And so I used to pray, you know, that he, that his heart would be right with God and that he wouldn't suffer. That's all I prayed. You know, mm. if God was going to take him, that he would not suffer. So I always had that feeling that he wasn't going to come mm. home. You know, and God, God showed me that after Michael died. You know, the guys, the soldiers, they tell you, you know, they, they I don't know, sometimes try and make it sugar-coated or whatever. Don't tell you the whole truth about mm. stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But... You know, they said, Lori, when we found Michael, he was still in his cot because they had come in from a from a mission and they were sleeping, actually, and, and going to go back out that night. So anyway, they said, Lori, when we found Michael, he was in his cot and his, you know, asleep and his ankles were crossed, you know, his legs mm. were crossed at the pole and blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm the only one that knows that Michael crosses his ankle when he sleeps. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that one little detail was what God let me know that he mm. didn't suffer. Yeah. 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 What was it like? I guess I think of a military mom I know in our area whose son died serving out in California, actually, and in his body coming home. How long did that take? Um, it took forever way back when. Mm. And then there were so many of them. There was... I think there was 12 men that got killed in Iraq that day mm. throughout, you know, a couple, I think a couple mm-hmm. of Marines somewhere else. So there was a lot of people at Dover. And so it took 10 days. Hmm. It took three days for Michael to get here to the United States from Iraq. I know that cause I didn't sleep for three days. Mm. till mm-hmm. um, yeah. Till I knew he was home. Yeah. Yep. And then mm-hmm. when they told me he was home, I was okay. He's home, mm-hmm. and um, and then it took t- it took ten days for him to come home to Fayetteville, the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. same. Yeah, so it was a it was long, but you know God just showed us things throughout all this, and so, and that's what got us through. Oh, I could tell you when Michael died, we got letters from all over the world, and so every day in the mailbox there would be letters. You know, we'd sit and we would greet them. We got the letters and all that, and we packed them away, right? And um, the New York firefighters come down to Fort Bragg every year and bring the wounded soldiers things. And um, the WTB, the Warrior Transition Battalion, asked if the Gold Star moms wanted to feed them and the soldiers, and of course we did. And so anyway, and my husband and I were on the fire department. My husband's still on the fire department. So, you know, we had that connection. The chief came, the chief that comes down with them, his wife and him 
had written Eric and I a letter when Michael died, but we didn't know it until like four years after we met, met him because then mm. we were going through Michael's things again and we went through the box of letters <laughs> and there was their letter. So now mm. I have the letter framed and it's hanging in my house just mm. to, to, you know, just to show, you know, to remind me, you know, God had everything, how he put everything together mm. <laughs> before we even knew it. And that's all, you know, and so things like that, God is through, you know, and people praying, you know, people always were saying they were praying for us. And I know the prayers of, of the saints, God is through it. He's yeah. Through it now. I know a lot of free parents, they don't have that blessing of, of having so many feeling like God just had everything, you know, set in, you can look back and say, God was in this and God was in this and God was in this. And we all have such a different story. And Amy, your son, Benjamin also served in the military, but your loss is a very different story than Lori's. Can you share Benjamin with us, please? Kind of like Lori's son, he always loved the military. And um, he was born on the 4th of July, so oh, just my. kind of it in him. So he joined the Marine Corps out of high school. School again, with, I mean, it was not his top thing. We homeschooled him the last two years. So he joined up and um, was deployed after, and probably, um, I think, in 2005. He seemed to like what he did. Uh, he was a good leader, even though that wasn't what he wanted to do, but um, he was good at it. And then he served his four years in the Marine Corps. And when he got out, he decided to go up to Alaska with our oldest son who was working construction. So he went up there and that wasn't working out too well. He had had an injury, a shoulder injury. So um, he decided to enlist in the Alaska Air National Guard. Hmm. And um, seemed to somewhat enjoy that, but I think he was a little overqualified for, for what they <laughs> did there. And uh, he was in there from 2007 to 2012 when he died. Communication with him started getting a little less. He had gotten married and we were just hearing less from him and knew there were some problems. And his wife had come to stay with us, which should have been a huge sign that there was a serious problem. Um, he had been home in 2011 for one of our other kids' wedding, and he wasn't the same, but we still didn't know we were dealing with anything. And we let our kids be the adults that they are, and we mm -hmm. stayed out of it, and they know we're here. Um, huge mistake, but, um, you know, something you learn from. So his wife came and stayed with us in May, and she started growing as a Christian, um, she had gotten saved when she was a young girl, but there was no growth in their marriage and he wasn't in church and he was into the alcohol and drugs and um, just because things were haunting him from when he was deployed to Iraq through the Marine mm -hmm. Corps. Of course, we didn't know any of this stuff and we they were talking and uh, so we just kind of stayed out of it and she came in May and in September we got a letter. Um, she got the letter in the mail stating where they could find his body. And mm. um, after he died, my sister, whose husband had been in the Marine Corps at the end of Vietnam, um, he, my sister said, he had PTSD. And I said, what are you talking about? 
you know, we had no idea what we were dealing with or what he was going through or the struggles he was having. We knew there were problems, but we didn't know anything other than that. And um, so it was a huge eye opener to us. Um, and by that time, you know, it's too late to do anything for him. And I, we had heard about Dave Reaver years and years earlier. And I had called one day. This is going to make me cry because Bev was huge. Um, she answered the phone. Hmm. Was so helpful. And we talked probably two times, I think, that I had talked to her. Just very helpful. And that's when we realized how many veterans struggle when they come home with um, decisions they had to make and do and things they saw. And uh, so through Bev, we connected a little bit more with Dave Reaver's program. And we just, uh, probably about a year after Benjamin died, I just, we had to do something because we didn't know. We're like, these parents and families need to know what their uh, military children are going through. I know they're adults, but when they're going through something like that, they need somebody to fall back on, someone that has, someone that they can talk to. So we wanted to do a 5K to raise money to send and help them, you know, anybody that wanted to receive help. And um, my husband just was not up to it. He, it was just a real struggle. So I was making an apron for my oldest daughter and oh, I can make them for all my daughters. We have six girls in our family and some of the boys were married and they had wives. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, I'll make those for gifts. And of course I put them on Facebook, look what I'm doing. And somebody said, would you sell those? And I thought, this is what we could do, you know, to raise money is just aprons. And uh, one of my girls came up with aprons for PTSD awareness. And um, so that's what we've been doing. And the funny thing was, is our son, when he was in um, high school, he had to do a, a project and he decided to make an apron. And I thought kind of ironic, but um, I thought, we'll just do this. So as of, up to I started those in about 2000 I think it was 14 I started doing that and it's just you know more through Facebook that I've done it but um, we've raised money for we sent it to Dave Reavers um, there's Mighty Oaks um, lawyer that um, Chad and I can't say his last name correctly so I won't say <laughs> he's been um, it, that was a huge problem because they're faith-based and when our son when we realized all that he had gone through you know, he looked to the alcohol and his buddies and the drinking and, you know, to, to numb mm -hmm. what happened in Iraq. And there was a story that we were, he kind of alluded to when he was home one year. And later I said something to my daughter, she goes, mom, that did happen. And, and you know, it's just, they can't, they don't know how to deal with it. Uh, mm -hmm. They think they're alone. They think they're the only ones dealing with it, you know, and in the military, you're told, uh, be quiet. You know, you can't, be a man, you know, stand up to this. And mm -hmm. so he, he was searching in the wrong places and he knew it and he was struggling. So we try to go the faith-based, uh, personally, that's, mm -hmm. the only, and I, yeah, there may be might we've supported canines for warriors. Uh, we've gotten to know a gentleman here who was in the military and was struggling terribly. And his wife said, you get help or I'm gone. And um, we've gotten to know them and they 
highly promote the canines for warriors. And so we've just looked for resources because mm-hmm. these things help. Yes. The Lord is the ultimate comforter and helper, but you also, mm-hmm. I, I take vitamins, you know? Right. Um, yes. Yes. There, there are resources. I, you know, you don't want somebody to get started on a drug and get dependent on it, but sometimes you need those to balance your, mm-hmm. your body, your mind. So um, that's what we do. And that's, you know, how our son lives on. And if we can help somebody not have our story, yeah, then, you know. Yeah. I want to ask you, if you don't mind answering, you said you got a letter. Yes. He had written a letter and um, okay, from him. You know, okay. Talking about the things, how the Lord sets things up and how he prepares you. We found out what we had a memorial service here in Ohio and then Alaska, the um, Air Force flew immediate family. So his siblings and his, his wife and my husband and I went up to the funeral up in Alaska. Um, the pastor's wife up there had seen him. He had gone to church there, but his schedule didn't allow for him to be there often or he'd get off and drive back to Fairbanks and, um, you know, he'd be so tired and fall asleep in church and he just kind of quit going. Mm. Uh, but she had seen him in the Walmart, uh, parking lot and she waved to him and he waved to her and he kept walking. And it was the next night that he had mm. taken us. And that was kind of the Lord just saying, I never gave up on you. Yeah. You know, I always hear he mm. just struggling so badly. Yeah. Now, Bev, you told me that we lose at least 22 veterans a day to suicide. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, that's all veterans. So, you know, you've got Vietnam veterans that are still struggling. So it is 22 to 23 a day is what I've heard. So that's, you know, nationwide. And, you know, that's a pretty significant number. That's huge. And I don't think the general public really always knows that unless you're kind of walking in those circles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that people really understand. And in the thing, Amy, um, first I'll say Chad's last name is Robicho for my Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, Please say something. <laughs> it's a Louisiana. Yeah. He's from Louisiana, but uh-huh. anyway, and he, he was a Marine and has a phenomenal program too. But I guess I, I want to say I could relate to your statement, Amy, when you said parents didn't understand. I mean, you didn't understand because I have in my son, he, de- he deployed, well, he actually deployed, I think 13, 14 times and six were combat tours. And I noticed a change in him in early on after the first or second. And then we lost Nick, you know, he lost his brother. So that was a compounding um, issue for him. But I didn't understand either until I was in, in Dave Reaver's organization. And I was actually working and ministering with these guys and, and, and girls too, you know, ladies too. I started to have a better understanding of PTSD. And then I realized that I was probably walking in it myself. So. Yeah. Yeah. And these men and women, they still deserve to be honored for their service. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. much, so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we, for, and, and the other thing that, and this is why I'm so glad you're doing this too, Laura, is th- people don't understand that the sacrifice that the families make and, yes. you know, we do honor them and, and we need to honor them, but you know, the families serve too the, the wives, the children, the parents, you know, I don't know about, you know, Amy, Lori, you know, when, when, when my son was gone, you know, I, 
I, you know, was like, Lori, you said that you always knew. And I remember I had to turn off the TV because I just got so tired of hearing that's when they were recording 82nd Airborne getting hit so hard. I didn't, you know, I didn't even understand that I, if something would have happened to my son, Tim, that I would have had a knock at the door. That's how illiterate I was about Mm. it. Something we Mm -hmm. out through talking, like I'll go to craft shows with the aprons and just try to get information out. I'm amazed at when the military families will come up and they'll say, what's 22 a day. And I said, 22 veterans a day commit suicide and they're shocked. They have no idea. And bad that when they come home, the families don't know what to expect. And I've talked to some and said, one lady said her son came home and they were out walking through the woods with some, some of his nieces and nephews. And he, he stopped because he heard the crunching of the, mm. the six and his mom said, honey, it's okay. You're home. So she knew. And I said, you keep doing that and you make sure your husband keeps talking to him. So it's like they come home and we as parents and uh, siblings and uh, wives don't have a clue how to deal with them when they do come home and what they're dealing with. Because so. they, they don't come back the same person, do they? No. There's no way you would, um, what they've seen and what they've done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All of the listeners of this podcast, we all know that suffocating darkness of child loss, but there's something about losing a child who basically volunteered to give up their lives for others. I don't know. There's just something to that because it, it is like Bev, like you said, it's the whole family is serving, whether they want to or not. And I, I guess that also includes careers like police officers and firefighters. They choose to put their lives on the line for others. And that's amazing. And we just don't honor that enough. And the families that are left behind. Now, both of you have decided to find ways to serve the military and support military families instead of turning your back and maybe blaming the military for the loss of your sons. Lori, I heard that you spent a few years managing the Fisher House on Fort Bragg, and I had to look that up to find out what that was (laughs) because I wasn't sure. But can you tell me just a little bit about that? The Fisher House is a a wonderful organization. It's a home where veterans, active duty members, and their families can stay for free while they are receiving medical care. You know, and before, and I never, and I never knew about the Fisher House till Michael died. And um, then when Michael died, my cousin and my mom stayed at the Fisher House when they came for his memorial service. Mm. After that, the Gold Star Mothers do a lot of volunteer work there. And okay. so I volunteered there and we would go in and cook and go clean and just do fundraising for them and just different stuff like that. And then after that, I, I got a job and, and it was a wonderful job because I got to be a mom to all those soldiers that came through, mm-hmm. not just soldiers. I'm, when I say soldiers, they were Marines and Navy and Coast Guardsmen and veterans and active duty and, you know. So, and their families, but I got to be a mom to all of them mm. and a grandma to the kids that came through, you know, and so it was really healing for me to work there, but it's a wonderful place. And a, a lot of the, um, the VA, the bigger VA systems have it, have a okay. home 
you can uh, look them up and uh, the major military posts that have hospitals, major hospitals have them like Fort Sam Houston, I think has four, four or five. Mm, okay. And, you know, and, and it's all free and some come for a couple of days and then it depends like the ones in San Antonio may stay a year because it's a burn. Oh, okay. uh, mm. something to do, you know, a long, long-term care. Right. Right. Or amputee. And, you know, so, and it's all free. A lot well, of healing for me there. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's yeah. It's so necessary to find. It just seems like one of the ways that we heal the best that God's made for us to minister to others in our own pain and in our own grief. Yes. Uh-huh. And you as know, and we minister to get... others, God brings a healing to us. And when I say healing, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about, well, you know, all this is behind us. I'm talking about getting to a place where we can function again, live again with meaning and purpose again. Well, we unfortunately need to wrap this up. <laughs> it's been so good talking to you ladies. Lori, if anyone would want to get a hold of you, how would they be able to do that? Uh, my email is L Sutherland, S-O-U-T-H-E-R-L. A-N-D, the number 82 at Gmail. Okay. And Amy, how can people get a hold of you or find out where do they find these aprons? We do the aprons on Facebook. It's a group. Um, It's not an actual page page. It's a group and you can join or you can come see it. Um, It's aprons for PTSD awareness. Okay, great. I will also put a link to that in the show notes and to to Lori's email address. If someone wants to contact her, and I'm sure someone wants to talk to you, Amy, further, they can message you from that that group page. And Bev, if someone would want to talk to you some more, because you go out and speak and minister and and do all kinds of things, don't you? For groups. I do. I do. Yeah. (laughs) So COVID, it kind of slowed things down quite a bit, but so I also have a, have my podcast as well. And yes, yes. So what's the name of the podcast? The resilient heart podcast. And if someone would like to reach out to me, they can catch me at Beverly at the resilient heart podcast.com. And I'll have that in the show notes too. So this has been so good to be able to talk about this. And I want to thank you three for being here with me and for our listeners today. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. I am sorry about some of the background noises you heard during the interview. There's not a whole lot we can do about that. I hope it wasn't too distracting to you. And I just want to say thanks again to Bev for getting Amy and Lori together and being able to talk to the three of you today. Did you know that you can receive a weekly word of hope that I write and send out just for those of us who have lost a child? Every week, I get emails from those who let me know how much they appreciate what they read. Here's one I recently received from a mom over in the UK. I so enjoy your messages, Laura. They give me such comfort just when I need it. Thank you for your obedience to the Lord, enabling you to reach out to we moms who need your words of encouragement and hope on a daily basis. You truly bless me each time I read a message from you. You understand so much how I feel. Thank you and blessings. This one came from a dad. 
Good morning, Laura. I greatly applaud your faith and strength in what you've been through and where you are today, helping others like me to cope, and I'm praying and hoping to reach there someday. I show a bright face daily, but inside I am broken. Only God knows. I'm so happy that you can share thoughts with me. I cry each time I read them as I am now, but I know I will rise from this one small step at a time. God bless you. Thank you for sending in the emails and letting me know when things touch you and encourage you. There are well over a thousand perivers who have asked to receive this weekly word of hope to be sent to them by email. And if you would like to join them, I just want you to know that your email address is safe with us. We don't share our email list with anyone. We don't send out a bunch of extra emails and spam you. And when you no longer want to receive them, all you have to do is click the unsubscribe link at the bottom of each email. We also don't ask for a bunch of extra information from you, just your name and the email address where you want it sent. So to get the weekly word of hope, just go to gpshope.org hope. And I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Let's go ahead to this week's birthdays. Isaiah Santal was born on May 22nd and is forever 16. Kyle Terry was born on May 24th and is forever 28. Andrew LaPlante was born on May 27th and is forever 24. We know how important our child's birthday will always be to us, and we celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. If you would like to have your son or daughter announce the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do so. Just go to gpshope.org birthdays. Fill out the information, including how to pronounce their name, if it's different than it looks, because I want to say their name correctly, and then just hit the submit button. As bereavers, we know the pain and solemnness of losing a child, and yet much of the nation tends to see Memorial Day as nothing more than a holiday with picnics and the opening of swimming pools in the cooler northern states and a bunch of fun outdoor activities. I know in our area there are several services at cemeteries and war memorials in the morning to honor those who have given their lives for our country. Years ago, I had the blessing of singing at a couple of them. I would like to suggest that you find out if there's something in your area and join the service if possible. I know for some of us, we just won't be able to do that because of the triggers it will cause, and that's okay. If nothing else, take time to send up a heartfelt prayer for these families that have paid a huge sacrifice with the death of their child or their brother or sister or their grandchild so that you and I can continue to live in this country that still has so many more freedoms than most other countries in the world. We all know the pain of child loss does not end. But just like for myself and for Bev and Lori and Amy that you heard from today, it won't always be so dark and painful. So hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.